Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Director Ruth Lightman's No One Asked You focuses her camera on the day-to-day healthcare providers who risk their own safety in service to women seeking an abortion. With a well-financed conservative movement conspiring to take away healthcare and bodily autonomy from all, Daily Show co-creator Liz Winstead brings us on the road with the Abortion Access Front and her merry band of activists and comedians, including Sarah Silverman, Margaret Cho, Alex English, and Joelle Johnson as they crisscross the United States to support abortion clinics and health care providers. It's a wonderful documentary film, lively, irreverent, and so much more. It's about empowering people to a health care right that should be afforded to all. We're joined today by the director of No One Asked You, Ruth Lightman. Ruth, welcome to Film School Radio. Thanks for having me, Mike. Thank you for this documentary film. Uh, I really want people to understand just how important it is for you to understand not only what is happening to reproductive health rights for women, healthcare rights for women around the country. If you don't already know about the Dobbs decision, you I don't know where you've been, but but also the providers. The film focuses on the on the people who are on the front line of providing abortion care for women. Uh, and I, I just, yeah, I can't underscore how important I think that is. How did this project come to you? How did this become part of your life? So, you know, I met Liz in 2012 um, when her book, Liz for Your Die, came out. I, I met her at Netroots Nation, which is this place of the best of grassroots organizing on the web. And I was there with an immigration film, proud to say at the time I had become a thorn in the side of the Department of Homeland Security with an immigration doc that I had made. I really like to make films that draw people's attention to an issue in in a less traditional way, I would say. And so uh, I met Liz back then, and it was right when she was about, she had just finished her book. She was about to start um, the organization, um, which was called Lady Parts Justice at the time. And they since changed their name to be Um, to center the word abortion, to center abortion and to um, get people to understand that abortion is for people of all genders. So I met her back then. And then it was one of those things where I was a big fan of her work and it was election night, 2016, and I'm on MSNBC. And usually when there's a catastrophe that needs some levity to it, Liz is on Liz is on, and she was on MSNBC. I thought things are about to get a lot worse in many issues because of of Trump. Mostly things are about to get really bad in repro. Uh, You know, the underpinnings, the work was already, you know, the the work to dismantle uh, Roe happened right after Roe was passed in 1973. So it was really a long game, and it looked like this was really going to be the linchpin. And so you know, it's like Liz says, you know, on election night, we were all crying and we had crumbs in our bra, you know, felt awful. And then the next day we pick ourselves up and we do something about it. And I thought 
this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to reach out to Liz Winstead and I'm going to try to follow what she is doing right now. And fortunately for me, um, Liz, Liz and her organization were planning the Vagical Mystery Tour, which was a 16-week USO sort of tour across the battleground states to visit and provide aid and comfort to clinics. And the clinic staff, workers, um, doctors, um, volunteers. And I thought, wow, this is a really good way to tell a story. And, I, and honestly, it was like a lifeline for me. It was one of the hardest films that I've ever made for sure, because it was a road film, yeah. but it, but it was also sort of like, I knew that if I was in the thick of it with Liz and, and, and you know, the comics and the activists, that I was going to be a part of the solution because we all need to jump in and be a part of the solution. And so that's how it started. And then in, in the film world of things, it's kind of tough to make a film when, you know, one day you're not making it. And then the next day you are making it. I'm an executive producer on the film because I put a lot of my own money into it as we went along. Cause I just felt like I couldn't wait. There was a lot of crazy funding things along the way that, we couldn't wait. We just had to cover it. We did, you know, and it's, it's 90% a verite film, cinema verite film. So we didn't want to, you know, talk about it in, you know, in hindsight, we wanted to be there on the ground. And, and, and that's what we did. The plan was to film for a year during the first year of the Trump administration, and then land that plane because we were flying it while building it while landing it. <laughs> And, and and that's sort of what we thought we were going to do. And then all of these state copycat laws started coming down the pike. Yeah. And it became really clear that things were going to continue to get worse. And, you know, keep in mind, you know, it was really interesting to me to make a film about the people who knew that this was going to happen without making an I told you so film. Right. Mm -hmm. you know, no one wants to feel like they missed the message even though most of America missed the message because the media really underreported on this issue. And so Liz, as a really sort of a person who is, you know, so important in the media, but who checks their, who makes them check themselves all the time on this issue, um, I felt like this, she was the person to sort of take us on this journey. So one of the things that you don't see a lot in this film is this is not, you know, there are a lot of abortion narratives that are out there, abortion films, documentaries, and fiction works that are out there. And they're all really important because abortion storytelling is empowering to all of us. And it destigmatizes abortion. And I think that's, I think that's really, I think that's really important. But one of the things that was really important to me as a filmmaker was not to tell the story in news clips. And we use very few news clips pretty much until the end because the media was really underreporting it. And I didn't want to use their inaccurate narrative and their ambulance chasing kind of reporting to tell the story. That was really important to me. So we it was very important to use the milestones of the media and, and video content that Abortion Access Front was making. And, you know, as you see in the film between TikTok and Facebook Live and, you know, all of these um, different forms of media, incredible 
um, videos that they made that that were educating an audience who were not getting that kind of information in the news. It was really important to tell kind of a layered narrative with those things, and especially using using comedy because every day things just got worse and worse. So it's no um, coincidence that the podcast that that Liz and Moji are doing now, and they and they drop podcasts every Friday. Friday afternoon, they they drop a podcast each week because there's no shortage of trash that happens around abortion each week. Sometimes they report on things and they interview people and they bring in lots of you know amazing guests each week. But um, they're really trying to keep the public up to date on what is happening on the state level. Every once in a while, they'll report on some good news because sometimes good things happen, obviously, like what happened the other day in Ohio. It was really, really incredible. But I think that um, there was so much and it wasn't being reported on. And there was plenty of, you know, as they call steam, the weekly steaming pile of shit. Um, (laughs) There was enough that they could, um, you know, keep that going and, and, and build an audience. And I think, you know, the plan is that, you know, the podcast gets lots of um, engagement and followers so that people have an idea of what to do. For us in the social documentary world, when we make films like this and we are trying to have an impact, what I think really stands out about how we crafted the story about Abortion Access Front and Liz is that you go along on this journey with them and you meet the people along the way who really have been at the front lines and are stakeholders, but also you get to see what you can do personally. It's a big thing or it's a small thing, but it's like you, there are very um, actionable items that people can do. Our impact campaign is starting at Doc NYC and we're going to partner with Abortion Access Front leading up to the 2024 election so that people know what to do and there are actionable items and things that they can do to get involved because we saw what happened and we see what happens every day and um, it's not going to be fixed anytime soon and certainly not without all of us who believe that it is a fundamental right to have bodily autonomy that has to be taken care of by us being involved it's certainly not going to happen without that just to go back to one of the points you're making and that is in the lead up to Dobbs, I think there was a sense that after every year that went by, that there was a, a kind of a narrative that evolved about abortion rights that was somewhat along the lines of, well, they wouldn't dare overturn Roe. They just wouldn't. Why? I mean, that'd be nuts. And every year, these people on the other side would tell you, we're not going to stop. People had to know that there was going to be a concerted effort at some point, somewhere along the line, the opportunity was going to present itself and they were going to take advantage of it. No, I absolutely agree with you. But I also feel like the lion's share of people were just didn't think that. That's why I think we have a nation full of surprise progressives now have their heads buried. Like, why well, I didn't think this was going to happen. And, and, you know, for us, when we were, you know, writing grants and trying to get funders earlier in the process, people were like, oh, that's not going to happen. 
Every like there was a lot of that's not going to happen. I think we never knew exactly how it would happen. Those of us who were in, engaged in this for the last 10 years, or I teach, I teach documentary film. I talk to my students about this and I say, you know, it's difficult, but getting these things funded. And so these projects, they take, you know, longer. I did not ever expect that this film was going to go on for this long, but it was actively changing all the time. And so we needed to, we had a great cut that we were about to land right before the, the Dobbs leak. So, you know, and then we had to, to shift that because that changed things. And, you know, it's not that we didn't think that they were going to rule differently. It was just sort of how that all happened. But because we were with Liz and AAF on the road, and because we met the stakeholders in all of these different places, we spent a lot of time in Mississippi. You know, did we know that Mississippi was going to be, that that, that was going to be the clinic that was in, at the center of the case that would bring down Roe and Casey? Um, we didn't. We had. We certainly suspected that it could be, but we had been in all of the places. But for I think, fortunately for the film, the Pink House defenders, Kim and Dorinda, and you know all of the volunteers that worked with them, they created you know a really important part of the narrative because of how hard they were working and and that struggle and all of the all of the obstacles that they ran into along the way. It's not included in the film, but there were things at the at the ordinances that were happening at the city and city and state level of just how much they were hammered against this entire time. Like I was telling you that I talked to my students about is you follow something for long enough as a documentary filmmaker, you really have the elements to um, create that, that's, you know, important story arc that evolves over time when someone is really trying hard to do something against all odds and it's you know the walls are sort of crashing in around them and that's what happened with the pink house you know and then also on the very bright side of things you have you know what happened with these comics who were so passionate about going out on the road and advocating for abortion access alex english is a writer on saturday night live joyelle johnson is you know on the road constantly and had a comedy special on uh, she had a, has a comedy special on Peacock and Jeannie Yashere has a sitcom on CBS and Jay McBride is a writer um, with Amy Schumer has gone on the road with Amy Schumer so it's sort of like we got to know these comics when you know and we're filming them before their stars had risen and it's so exciting to to see what's happened with them aida rodriguez just published a book and has a, has a comedy feature out right now what's the name of the uh, podcast that liz does what is it called it's called feminist buzzkills Again, I'll go back to one of the things fundamental about this film that makes it so powerful to me and so and really will, I think, stick in people's minds is the focus, by the way, the film is called No One Asked You, the idea that you focus so much of your attention on the providers, people who understand not just the kind of the macro of abortion rights, bodily autonomy and the rest of it, but also understand and see in their with their own eyes and every day the challenges that they face and they still get up every morning and, and do their very best to provide this service to women. And I I just find that 
that for me is the part of the film that should resonate with people. You know, I don't care, you know, religious, not religious. It doesn't really matter. People want to be able to control their own destinies. Why would we not? So that's what this is about, controlling our own destiny. And then yet we have these laws that are being imposed that are counter to what desire of the people is. And that is where we are. And it's exemplified in no greater way than in abortion access. And so people are getting louder. And I think that's, you know, that is really what needs to happen. Um, So I'm thrilled that we'll be able to use the film as a tool for impact, you know, leading up to 2024, because I think people do want to know what they can do. And, you know, because there's this complete disconnect between the will of the people and, you know, the government, I think that, you know, we're going to have to take, you know, matters into our own hands. It's just like more people are going to need to get arrested. More people are going to need to um, really take a stand and vote that way, not just voting for a Democrat, but voting for um, people who um representatives who put it at the fore and also um you know getting involved at the school board level the state level just getting involved in local politics i really appreciate your time thank you so much ruth lightman the uh, director executive producer and writer of this wonderful film no one asked you thank you for your time today appreciate it thank you for having me You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 